Welcome to Game Notes, your Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harford. That's Tony Jones. Today, we're going to talk some injury. We're going to talk some 1998. And don't forget, you can comment on this podcast on the Athletic app or on theathletic.com. You just update that app. Make sure that app's updated because you don't want the old version of the app. That, it was still good. It's so much better now. You can comment on podcasts if you're a subscriber just to the podcast feed on like an Apple podcast or something like that. Well, you got to subscribe to The Athletic. You subscribe to The Athletic, you get access to this podcast with no ads. You get to comment on it. You get to get notifications automatically by just clicking follow for the game notes. And it'll send you a notification for each new episode. And more importantly, Tony, they get to read your work. That's what you want to subscribe to The Athletic for. And they get to hear your voice. Oh, and my sultry tones, Tony. Very white, downright yeah. very white esque. I thought you, at first I thought you said very white, and I was like, well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but very white, I'll take it. Oh man, might not be a bigger voice compliment than very white, right? There's probably no bigger compliment, yeah. bigger voice compliment than very white. I'll take it, um, Tony. Bad news for the Jazz. Good news it's been a tough is, week. yeah. Good news is, I think, I think we're gonna get basketball back pretty soon. Now I don't know if we're gonna finish the season, but they're gonna bring it back in mid to late July. It sounds like the restrictions are real loose, which makes me think it'll get shut down again at some point when someone else tests positive. But at least right now, it looks nope, like we're, gonna we're get going it. to a we're going to a bubble. Everything is gonna There's be no fine. Positive bubble. People are allowed to go in and out of the bubble. That's not a bubble. They're keeping, Le- but they're keeping LeBron James and Anthony Davis inside the bubble. Okay, the congratulations to the Lakers on winning the championship because everybody else got sick. But that's that's not a bubble, Tony. Is everyone going to be that diligent? No, everybody's not going to be that diligent. I can guarantee you people are going to go outside the bubble for Chinese food and sushi. A hundred percent. Is there good sushi in Orlando? I don't know, but I'm going to find <laughs> out. <laughs> But the bad news for that is once we get basketball back, you will not see Boyan Bogdanovich on the court for the Jazz the rest of the season, whatever that means, because he had wrist surgery from an injury that had happened, I believe you reported in November of, of 2019, yes. right? Like he'd been playing with that thing for a long time. And this is this is my thing, Tony. Like, look, you obviously need wrists to shoot a basketball, right? Even if it's your yes. offhand, you need wrists to shoot a basketball. He was shooting a basketball that well with a bad wrist? Wasn't it insane that he was shooting 40, 41% from three on seven threes a game? Ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I remember one time. So I went up to Boyan uh, after after a game. I believe it, it might have been like his 35-point game. The one where he had like 35 points, zero assists, zero rebounds, zero, zero anything else. Just got buckets. And I looked at him and I said... I said, motherfucker, you're you're a machine out there. Like you're just like a Terminator. And he just started laughing. Um, you know, Boyan was 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 great in the locker room to deal with. So it it was uh, it was fun being able to to go up to him and, and and say that. But like the point is now, looking back on that on in retrospect, like he was doing that on a busted wrist. Like that's crazy. And I mean, I just think, you know, his shooting splits, I mean, he was 20 points a game, 44% from the field, 41% from three on, on seven threes a game. Um, he just by 
all by pretty much any measure, he had just a terrific, terrific season. Yeah, I mean, he was just, you know, obviously I think it's easy to say he was the third best jazz player this year um, behind Donovan and, and Rudy, however you want to order those. But he he's easily the third best. And, and like, Royce O'Neal had a great season, right, uh, so right. far. Um, you know, Conley was effective at times, ineffective at times, injured as well. You know, Joe Ingles was great as a starter, not so much as a bench player. But Boyan was just just – steady for them and that was coming too like he had that ankle injury in the in the beginning of the season um he then had the wrist injury played through all of it and um and he's just man he really is just a machine so okay here's the question how does this affect the jazz and how does it affect the jazz in 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 relevance to what we're gonna have right so that's the thing so here's what i would say here are the positives out of it right the positives are the tandem of Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles can play together a lot more. And I think that's a good tandem. And if it allows Joe Ingles to get back to starting and he's much better when he starts than when he comes off the bench, okay, you now have the best version of Joe Ingles in theory. Right? And I so think, that, that's I a think good another, thing. I think a big positive is that Rudy Gobert is going to get to basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, because now you're going to have the, the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert so pick and roll combination in the starting line. Defense. So you're going to have an engaged Rudy Gobert on both ends of the floor um, because there's nobody by a good margin. Nobody's better at getting Rudy to basketball than Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um, You're going to, I think, I think this is a positive. Uh, I think the, 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 the positive that I'm going to say is that there's zero, there's no more ambiguity from Mike Conley. Uh, in terms of, okay, do I, you know, the jazz did actually find a, a kind of a role with him, uh, towards the end of, of the season before the shutdown, which was, uh, he starts, he, he leaves the game after five minutes, he comes back and he runs the second unit and he takes most of the reps there. But now the jazz need him to score and they need him to have a lot of reps. So, you know, he he's going to have the basketball in his hands a lot more. And I think that that's going to be uh, a positive for Conley because I think he's going to be able to go out and just play uh, and not have to think about, you know, getting other guys the basketball. Um, so I see those as, as, as two positives. Um, and I think third positive is if we go straight to the playoffs, rotations tighten in the playoffs um which means that the lack of depth that um that a boy that missing boy on Bogdanovich normally would have in a regular season setting might not exist so much in a playoff setting yeah I think I think that's fair I mean I I'd also add like I I think George's Yang being able to get more in the rotation just because he's a he's a really really good shooter, I think getting him more minutes and more experience is a is a positive that you can take out of this. I mean, obviously the negative is you're losing your third best player, right? You lose your third best well, player, and it's hard to replace that. The negative is you lose, yeah, and you and you lose, like you can't. Re- I said this on Twitter, but the Jazz can't replicate Boyan Bogdanovich's shooting. Yes, they can put Joe Ingles in the in the lineup, and he could shoot forty percent from threes, uh, from three. Yes, Royce is going to shoot 
close to 40% from open threes, but we're talking about volume shooting. We're talking about threes coming off of down screens. We're talking about threes coming off the dribble. We're talking about threes in transition, three spotting up. Boyan Bogdanovich, not only was he Utah's best shooter, but he was Utah's most versatile shooter as well. And he was Utah's most clutch. He was Utah's best shooter in the clutch. Uh, he hit two game winners, both of them, one of them unbelievable, the the Houston game winner. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a guy who could get his off the dribble. Uh, they ran pick and roll for him. Uh, he was a, a three-level scorer this year. Uh, he was terrific from the foul line. So, you know, that shoot, the just the, 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 the sheer volume shooting and the gravity uh, that he had within the offense, that's just, I'm, I'm not sure the Jazz can replicate that, that part. Yeah, that, that's going to be really tough. I mean, maybe... Maybe just with the shooting aspect of from a spot up standpoint to stretch the floor. Look, Joe Ingles has been still a good shooter this year, but he was a little inconsistent and he's just a better shooter in the past, right? And so if he returns to form of the past, like, all right, you've you haven't replaced Bogdanovich, but it it does help alleviate that. Royce O'Neal, if you believe in his jump shot, which I do at this point, um, you know, that that helps alleviate it. Uh Georges can pl- come in, he can shoot, that helps alleviate it. But yeah, it's the it's the multi levels of scoring. You're not I there I don't think I mean maybe Joe Ingles a little bit, but you're not really replacing that aspect of it. Yeah, that that's the thing. You know, you know, the 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 being able to 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 run a guy off of a down screen, run him off of double screens, or put the ball in his hands, or hit him in transition. <laughs> Just so many ways that, you know, Boyan was able to hurt you and he had you know, just a quick release, which which Joe Ingles doesn't have. Um, and he had the fearlessness that, you know, he was going to make contested threes as well. Um, you, know you, know, cra- that- you know what's crazy, Tony, is like I'm looking at – I'm trying to find some numbers here, um, which is the first time I've gone to NBA.com slash stats in months, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Uh, that was a weird thing to go back to. But I'm trying to find some numbers here, and it's crazy how, like, the Jazz just really didn't play much when they had Gobert on the court and no Bogdanovich. Like Boyan right. was just so, always on the court with Rudy. Well, they had, Quinn had to put keep Boyan on the Rudy on the floor with Boyan. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. We 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 all know why. So I mean that had to be defensive purposes. Like he had to be on the floor. So you know the the the, the five man lineup of Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, and Rudy Gobert, if I'm not mistaken, hasn't played much together. Put that lineup in there again? Uh, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to look this up right now. Yeah, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, and Rudy Gobert. So that's your, that's your new starting five. How yeah. many minutes? I'm going to say they played le- about 100 minutes together this year so far. Um, that's probably about right. Uh, Mitchell. Um, we're looking at, uh, we're looking this up as we speak. Yeah. We're looking at, uh, whoa, wait a second. Conley, Mitchell, O'Neal, Ingles, Gobert. Yes. According to basketball or according to NBA.com, 14 minutes. Oh, geez. (laughs) Are you serious? It says 14 minutes. 
Well, I guess my hundred minutes prediction was was a little bit it was a little uh, off, but I mean, was I was a, I was like, yeah, it's got to be a hundred minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, there are also a lot, of, there are a, lot of, a lot. There are a lot of injuries throughout that because, like the like take Royce o, or take yeah Royce O'Neal out and put Bogdanovich in, and that's two hundred and thirty six minutes. That's only thirty three games, and that's just I mean Conley was out of the lineup, right? Like guys were out in and out of the lineup, right? But yeah, man, fourteen minutes. It's a plus twenty one in those fourteen minutes per one hundred possessions, so that's good. But you're also going off fourteen minutes. That is not a sample size that is worthy of anything. It's not a sample size, but I can see why it's a plus twenty one per one hundred possessions. It should because be very I think good. It's it's a good defensive lineup. Yeah, yeah. It's it's giving up ninety six point nine points per one hundred possessions in those fourteen minutes. But yeah, we're looking at five games that lineup has played this year. I mean, because you're looking at your two best perimeter players, your two best perimeter players defensively, and, and Royce and Joe. And Mike's Mike was solid defensively this year, and 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 Rudy Gobert. So you you in a, in essence you probably have four of your best best five defenders on the team, uh, in the start now in the starting lineup. So the question is, what happens beyond the starting lineup? Um, you know, according to the people I've talked to, um. This means that Emmanuel Moutier probably gets back into the rotation. Okay. Um, you know, I, you're going to probably see a lot of Moutier and, and, and Jordan Clarkson minutes um, on, on the second unit. Um, you know, you, you, probably, uh, you probably see Jawan Morgan move to the edge of the rotation, which he's probably – uh, your 10th guy. Yeah. Um, and so the, in, in the other two, obviously are George Niang and, and Tony Bradley. So your four main rotation guys off the bench are now Emmanuel Moody, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang and Tony and Tony Bradley. Yeah. It doesn't uh, sound horrible. No, it's not. Ter- no, that's not terrible. I mean, for that, that foursome on the, on the floor together, um, Clarkson, Moutier, Georges, and Tony. Uh, they've played 75 minutes together, so still not a big sample size. But for bench players, like that's not that's not bad, especially considering Clarkson came so late in the year. Um, it's a plus 3.2 per 100 possessions. It's a bad defensive lineup, but it's a really good offensive lineup. Yes, because Moutier and, and Jordan Clarkson just push, and they, and they yeah. do a lot of freestyling uh, off the dribble. Now, who, who uh, do most you, of, most of that has come with Donovan Mitchell also in that lineup. And that's a plus six, right. nine. So the question is, you know, how do you stagger the starters with that bench unit now? Because the jazz, the jazz had actually, you know, figured out their rotation by March and then, you know, COVID happened and everything shut down. You know, they have figured their rotation out by March um, and they have finally gotten into a comfort zone. And now, you know, the now on the fly, especially if we go straight to the playoffs, Quinn Snyder is going to have to figure out his rotation. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause I think you have to keep Ingles and Gobert on the floor together a lot. Right. Cause that's, that's the main guy getting Rudy the ball. Right. Um, so from there, man, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I probably would rather. I know, I know Conley's been kind of that guy helping run the second unit, but 
if you're going to have Moutier and Clarkson you're gonna in have there, Moutier, yeah, I, right. think, I think Mitchell's got to be the guy that staggers. Yeah, Mitchell probably has to be the guy that staggers now. But then the question is, do you want Mitchell, Moutier, and Clarkson on the floor at the same time? Because then the the fear is then the offense becomes a little bit your turn, my turn. Man. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not ideal, right? But I, I don't know. Like, I guess the your turn, my turn thing, look, it's not, it's not good team basketball, obviously. But it is... It is kind of hard to deal with from a matchup standpoint. I guess it just depends on where they're attacking from and feeling like there is help there um, and there and you can swing it to to guys space and floor. But I don't mind it against primarily like second units. Right. You probably don't mind it against second units. And then the, the other question is, you know, because a lot of this stuff, a lot of the questions that we're asking is you know, what happened, you know, kind of the contingent on what happens when, when, and if the league comes back. And I think we're of the opinion more that it's, it's more when and if, yes. Um, so the question is, do we come back and play regular season games or do we come back and go straight to the playoffs? Because if we come back and go straight to the playoffs, then you have a definitive matchup that you can get ready for. Right. right. I mean, here's here's the thing, Tony. So a lot of teams are around 64, 65 games played this season. Right. Um, a, like, let's not be let's not be, you know, uh, naive about this. This is a money grab. Like the, yes. the NBA coming back is a money grab because just from the playoffs alone, Sam Amick reported you're looking at nine hundred million dollars in TV revenue. Yes. Right? Um, and. And the bigger part of that money grab is if you can get the local broadcast to 70, uh, 70 broadcasts on the season, they get their they get all their money from that. So there's even more money at stake there. Getting just five or six games for a lot of these teams doesn't seem like a, a hard thing to do necessarily. I mean, obviously, depending on what the setup is. But there are also a lot of thoughts of teams that are not in the mix for the playoffs need not apply. And you can't get all those teams to the, to that 70 mark if not every team is there, obviously. And so that's kind of a a that's a, a bit of a frustrating you know dilemma for the for the NBA and trying to figure out how to come back is look this is obviously a money grab but you can have even more money if you can figure that you know that part out and get everyone on board with that and and so then like yeah you maybe they're facing the Rockets in the first round maybe they're facing the Thunder maybe they even move up to the three seed and and take over Denver spot right like you don't really know. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of complications just in figuring out, do we go straight to the playoffs or do we get, you know, five, six regular season games in so we can get that extra money? Well, I think the prudent thing is to go straight to the playoffs. Oh, I do too, but it's a money grab. Like I'm not going to, you know, like I think that's, that's a part of it. Let's say, let's, so if we're doing a money grab, what about this? This could be a prime spot for Adam Silver to, to, to test out his, 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 his tournament format. You know, seven, ten seeds, eight, nine seeds, kind of go at it. Uh, try to see, try to determine the bottom half of um, the bottom half of the brackets. Maybe you, maybe you can uh, squeeze out a little bit more revenue there. I just don't know how you play. I just don't know how you play another six regular season games I'm under. With I'm with you. Um, yeah, it's complicated. Like I think you got to go straight to the post season. I do too. I just, man, like, and maybe they won't care, but I got to feel like, cause I don't think we're getting seven game series. 
right? At least not in the first round. So well, I think I think you I, I think you're going to get seven all the way across. I think if they go straight to the playoffs. Team, uh, if they go straight to the playoffs, you can go seven 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 seven. If you start on July fifteenth, and what you do is you cut out all of the uh, the downtime um, that usually accompanies the first round, right? Like yeah, but I I wonder if you need that downtime just to get extra practices in, you know? Because they're gonna have a, they're gonna give them about a month to get into shape. Right. And it's going to take longer than a month for some of these dudes. You know, yeah. like there's going to be a lot of rust. And so if you jump straight to the playoffs and you don't have it, you know, a seven game series in the first round, there are a lot of contenders that could be like guys, that, you know, could be teams that get knocked off because you don't know what the rust is going to be like. You don't know what the conditioning is going to be like. You don't know what the health is going to be like. And if you shorten those series, it's just more susceptible for, you know, for a, an upset. Like you well, some real I, I could think there. of I could think of two people right now and two te- that you know two teams right now that are worried right now and that's Philly and and Denver yeah because the question is what does Nikola Jokic look like and the question is what does Joel Embiid look like probably heavy you know yeah so you know I, I you know I, I I think I think giving a month is is probably the prudent thing. Uh, I think going to sevens is the prudent thing. Um, I think one day in between for every series, uh, one day of rest in between for every series is probably the prudent thing. If you do that and you start on July 15th, we can be done with this thing by, by September 1st. Yeah. And then we can have some, then we can go just go straight to the off season and have a semblance of the off season. Then start on December, December 25th. Now, the question is, if you start on December 25th, do we do it permanently? And then, I, don't and know, then make, I, don't, I don't know how you don't – I don't know how you do that and not make it permanent unless you say it's, it's like a lockout shortened schedule. You know, we're only doing 65 games this time. Otherwise, how do you fit it all in? Yeah, I mean, you, that, if you're pushing back to December 25th for next season – it has to be permanent or you have to be lopping off games for next season. Well, see, that's the thing. And and I think that that's the prudent thing for the NBA, because if you make this a December to August league, then all of a sudden your main competitor is baseball instead of football. Yeah. I mean, I, I this is the thing that's been talked about a, a lot with this, this potential new schedule is, it's banking on like, hey, we don't have to compete with football anymore. And, you know, there's nothing to watch in the summer. So we'll get those viewers. And it's like, but we don't know that people will want to watch stuff in the summer. Now, maybe next year, because we may not, we may not be through this, this COVID stuff next summer, you know, which I know is a, a crazy thought for a lot of people. But like, may not have, if we don't have a vaccine, like there's going to be restrictions. There's going to be a lot of people in the house, no matter how open, you know, some stuff becomes. And so... Yeah, maybe you have viewers then, but long term, we don't know if if people want to watch NBA basketball in the summer. We just don't. Well, I think if people watch baseball in the summer, they're going to watch basketball. But do people watch baseball in the summer? Like from yeah, a na- from a national baseball in the, locally, the, yes, but from a national standpoint, do. like if you're talking like NBA Finals games in July, will people actually want? I think the NBA has a big enough and and we're talking about NBA finals games in probably August if we're talking about December. Yeah, right. Um and and I think that the NBA has a 
has a contingent has a contingent of fan a fan base big enough that it can pull it off. Now the question is, can they pull in the regular view? Can they pull in the average Joe to view August finals games and thrive? That's the question. We know it can survive. The question is, can it thrive? Right. And, you know, I mean, I I think competing with the NFL, competing with college football, competing with Monday night football, competing with Thursday night football, like right now between the NFL and college football, I mean, you're looking at this is Thursday to Sunday because, you know, your college football game of the week comes on on Thursday. Um, The NFL comes on on Thursday. There's college football on Friday. There's a full slate Saturday and Sunday, which the league competes with Monday night. So you're realistically in October and November and December, the only times that you don't have football are Tuesdays and Wednesdays of every week. And then that's when you, so by the time that you're really focusing on the NBA solely on the NBA, you know, you're basically in a January. So yeah, if you, if you, if you switch, if you flip that start on December 25th, you have, you have soul eyes on you early in the regular season, all the way through the regular season. And then I think the playoffs sell themselves. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know that I'm convinced people want to watch in the summer. I, I'm with you on not competing with the NFL, uh, and, or just football in general, because that is like, look, there's a reason we don't have a ton of Monday, Monday night games, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason we don't have a ton of Thursday night games. Like there, there's a reason that, you know, Sundays are, Ooh, man. Uh, some teams are just sneaking games in whenever they can, uh, right. on Sundays, like, there, it's not a coincidence that you know Wednesday night is the heaviest night in the NBA. Right. It's not a coincidence. And so um, I'm with you on that. I just – it's just – it's tricky because – and I guess this is where we really needed – and I'm just talking from a business standpoint, not like a, not like a health of the world standpoint. Obviously, there are more important things, but like it would have been fascinating to know – what a regular schedule for the NBA was like with just everything, you know, no interruptions, everything on track Were the playoffs going to draw bigger numbers than they had in the past because right. of the uncertainty of, you know, we didn't have the warriors in the way anymore. Right. Like we didn't have that team dominating or looking like they were locked for the championship every single year, even though they didn't win last year. Like we didn't have that. So what were the playoffs going to look like? Um, especially if you get a, a Clippers Lakers, you know, Kawhi versus LeBron in the conference finals or a Giannis right. versus LeBron or Giannis versus Kawhi in the finals or whatever that, is, whatever those matchups end up being, could they have had a tantalizing enough thing to where it looks like, Oh my God, look at the ratings of this thing. Oh, the NBA's back. Or was it going to continue to dwindle? Was there going to be an apathy to it? Um, and you need to find ways to retool things. And so right. now it's a, it's a lot of guesswork. And for good reason, but it's a lot of guesswork. I just don't know. Like, I, I don't, I legitimately don't know where I stand on it. I love the idea of December 25th is opening day for the NBA. And then we, uh, and then we move on through July and, and August. I love that idea, but I don't know that it makes sense from a business standpoint. In theory, it does. I don't know if the application of that makes sense, I should say. 
Yeah, I think I think it makes sense in theory. And I think so I think what we we should what the league should do is, you know, do a three year sample size and then figure it out. But the question is, if you do the three year sample size and you have to go back to the original format, how do you transition back to the original format? In getting back to the season, let's say we let's say we just jump jump straight to the playoffs. There's no Bogdanovich for the Jazz. It's hard to know what the shape everyone will be in, but just from a matchup standpoint, how do you feel about a Jazz Thunder first round series with no Bogdanovich? So here's the thing. I think that the Jazz can beat the Thunder with or without Bogdanovich just because of the way they match up with them. Um you know, I think they can replicate the scoring, even if they can't replicate the shooting. Um, and I, th- I think they can make enough shots that they can still win the series. Now, where I think no Bogdanovich really affects the Jazz is obviously if they find a way to move to to get past Oklahoma City and you move on to the Lakers, and then I think that. It, it really becomes detrimental to the, that no Bogdanovich really becomes detrimental to the jazz. The other way I think no Bogdanovich becomes detrimental to the jazz is if, you know, Oklahoma city somehow wasn't the matchup and they had to match up with, um, Houston or they had to match up with Dallas, then no Bogdanovich becomes a lot bigger in the first round. Um, I think the Jazz, and obviously this, you know, the Jazz wouldn't be prohibitive favorites, but the Jazz can still win a first-round series without Bogdanovich if the matchup is Oklahoma City. Um, I think think it's a coin flip for me on the Thunder. I think they would, without Bogdanovich, they would be toast against Houston. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance of them beating Houston. There might not be a great chance of them beating Houston in the first place just because it's – well, actually, I don't even know now what the small ball they're doing. I forgot that they traded all their centers away. Like, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what to think of the Houston Rockets anymore. I still would take the, I would take James Harden in that series over, over the Jazz with no Bogdanovich there to, to kind of even things out a little bit. Um, but against the Thunder with no Bogdanovich, I don't know, man. Like that's a, that's a tough. Like there, I just, I think he would be a guy who I want on the floor against their three guard lineup, and that three guard lineup for them is really good this year. With, uh, with really, Schroeder, really with Schroeder, with Shea, and with CP3, that's their best. It might be the, I think it might be the best lineup in the league, um, but but I think you need Bogdanovich against that. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, you know the 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 question, the thing for me is that you know so much responsibility will fall on Mike Conley. Like Mike Conley has to to be really good. Yeah, I guess he, it, I guess if Mike is back to being Mike then I feel a lot better about it all. Yeah. Can he you know, can Mike, he, can he Mike, take that you horse know, and, win, that horse and, competition and, win and spin it forward into being back as a basketball player, you know? Like Mike Conley would have to play Chris Paul to withdraw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um Donovan Mitchell would have to outplay Shea Gilgis Alexander, which that, that's not that's I mean Donovan Mitchell should as good as Shea is Donovan Mitchell should outplay him, right? And you know the Jazz would have to find a way to defend Gallinari. Yeah, uh, I mean you could do that with Royce O'Neal. 
you could do that with Royce on there. And Rudy would have to to dominate his matchup with Steven Steven Adams. Yeah, now that's one I'm not like Rudy does well against Steven Adams. Dominate though, I don't, I'm I'm just also such a big Steven Adams guy that I don't I don't know that dominate is something I'm like yeah Rudy will do that, but Rudy's also like Rudy's really good. <laughs> so I mean it, it's but the, the matchup the 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 style of play the way the Thunder play um. You know, the Jazz typically have a, l- a little bit more problems with teams that switch everything than teams that play drop big. And yeah. Oklahoma City plays dro- a lot of drop big. Um, and I think the Jazz would would I think that's just a, just the style, just, just the style of play. I think the Jazz will have a better matchup with Oklahoma City. Like, I think that's a good matchup for them. Yeah, but I mean, then again, I, I, I like it better than the uh, other one. But then again, you know, Oklahoma City's guards are so good that the Jazz are, that the Jazz are definitely going to have issues dealing with their guard with, with Oklahoma City's guards. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. I wonder, about, I wonder what the wing depth does there, right? Because their wings are are very questionable in OKC. Yes. So maybe yes. that's where the advantage comes. But again, if they can get away with playing that three guard lineup against the jazz and have it be successful, then maybe that neutralizes that whole scene. And, and that's where you do miss Bogdanovich because, you know, if you play that three guard lineup, then somebody's got to guard Bogdanovich and Bogdanovich in addition to all of his other offensive silence, smoke that line. He was, he was really good in the post. Yeah. Cause I even, <laughs> lo- I love him. I love him against, uh, I love him against Gallinari. Like I think Gallo is a really good player, but I think Bogdanovich is just, shifty enough that he he would give gallo a lot of problems in yeah serious and if you try to push schroeder or or alex gilders oh, alexander on him food. he just go straight to the block yeah it's just food for him um all right i wanted to talk about the 98 team but let's save that for next week we'll do a little uh let's little, save it for next little throwback week. thursday next week for this uh this yes. 98 team from the last dance documentary that gave them like six minutes of of footage in two hours <laughs> facing them but we can get more into that we'll get into your uh, your great article on them and and go read that in the meantime prepare do some homework listeners go read tony's stuff you'll be prepared for this conversation next week and you can comment on the podcast on theathletic.com or using the app and that app got updated you want oh man that updated app tony i know you don't update your phone but you gotta update the app on this one it is sleek i'm on it listen i am mr technology you are you mr technology using the microphone you know you're doing all kinds of stuff my dog's being a jerk to end this episode so that's a that's a good sign to get out of here thank you for subscribing to the athletic for game notes uh i may murder this dog i may not see if he barks next week on game notes (laughs) 